I mean, I'm sure that a rod can be found somewhere. Well, I got the one that's fucking in my hand when I take a piss, but like... <laughs> what about a piece of rebar? Yeah. yeah. Huh. I never got around to seeing that one. It did look good. It's, it's about a mirror that kills people. You gotta see it. <laughs> <laughs> Is this another uh, Platinum Dunes release? Welcome to We Love Dick, the Philip K. Dick podcast. Um, I'm your host, Wah. I'm here with my friend Foot and one of his good friends, whose code name I don't know yet. Yeah, what's uh, what's the code name going to be? <laughs> code name, Frankincense. All right. oh, that's a good one. Frankincense? <laughs> Frankincense. <laughs> you can right. call me Frank for short. Okay. That's, that's pretty hot fire. So, Greg... <laughs> Greg is pretty hot fire because he has to duck out of here at 7.50 to go to another podcast. Are you serious? That's so Hollywood? Or Where's like the like the main regional hub of like podcasting? Because it's not Hollywood, right? I, I don't know. <laughs> Probably New York. Yeah, there's like WLNYC or whatever. And like... I feel like people's bedrooms across America. Yeah. Well, we're in my kitchen right now. I'm I'm excited. I moved into an apartment with a kitchen. It's a pretty big, pretty big yeah. deal for me. You didn't have a kitchen. Well, I had a kitchen. Well, I, before I had like a stove and blah blah blah. But I lived in a studio, and like, I feel like it's gross to cook in the same room that you sleep in. Hmm. You know, like I just feel like those two activities should be very separate. <laughs> Dude, I went to a, a Thai restaurant last night. Like this hole in the wall, and there was, <laughs> was this there a bed inside. Of no, it? no, no, no. <laughs> but this this like we went came to sit down, and this woman comes out. With just like this huge armload of, of raw chicken breasts <laughs> like they're in this like silver bowl but they're like almost slopping out of the bowl and it's like dripping oh. onto the ground and she's like oh just sit wherever you want and then she like plops the chicken breasts down like two tables over from us like in the fucking eating area and is like watching television and just like cutting them. what <laughs> nice oh uh, that's that's legit dude it was really good <laughs> that's super, that real shit that's a really good place uh so Foot, how do you know Frank? Uh, yeah, so Frank and I uh, went to college together, much like you and Double E did. Um, yes. We went to, uh, as we've talked about before, like the exact opposite of your college experience, whereas yours uh-huh. was academically rigorous, um, you know, in, in kind of like a classical sense. Ours was like a hippie commune with like lots of drug use and no rules and like no grades and... And no, I mean, no anything. There were no grades where I went to, but I thought I thought I was signing up for what you guys went to, and it was not that. It was really hard. Well, you guys, you had people like get kicked out and shit. A, half of them do not wow. do not graduate. Like you start with 120 or so. 100, I guess it's 140 if you count. Like the they have like this thing that I did where they let in another 20 midway through the year to like because like the next year the class won't be big enough. <laughs> so like midway through the year they let in like 20 more students. Um, but anyways, yeah, like, you graduate, like, 70 out of that, like, 140. Yeah. Wow. I mean, can yeah. speak to this a little more, but, like... Who? Uh, um, Frank uh, can speak to this a little more, but, um... <laughs> fucking, like, Johnston, you... There are people who work hard, and we did work hard, but working hard was, like, an elective. It was, like, a choice. Yeah, I, I feel like the graduation stats were, uh... Probably similar in Johnston, but if, if you... No one, like, got like washed out they just like reached the end of their four years and if they didn't graduate uh they still got to like participate in the ceremony and everything (laughs) (laughs) that's what my high school is like it's we have a a, like a end of year celebration but they can't call it a graduation ceremony because like people walk that like don't have the credits it's just like a it's very very like we all feel good about ourselves it's really great yeah it was I mean, it wasn't that hard to graduate from Johnson, I didn't think. No, I don't. Uh, I, I mean, I think the people who didn't graduate, uh, man, what happened to them? Like, they were lazy. I think that was it. Like, they were, they were too lazy to, like, do the, to, like, try to bullshit someone to land them, like, I don't know, make, like, an art project instead of writing a paper, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, like, I mean, graduated. So, like, you have to be really, really fucking lazy. <laughs> Not throwing shit on <laughs> I'm gonna like bleep, I'm gonna bleep the shit, I'm gonna bleep the shit out of it. But like, I mean, and I was lazy too. <laughs> but like, Greg, on. Greg, 
Greg knows. Like we, there were times where like during finals week, we just sat around like played video games, just blew off every project, and then like did the projects like way way late, and fucking like stayed up all night one night to like write a paper and just call it good, you know? Yeah. So do you guys want to talk about the story? Yeah, I do. Sure. Let's do it. Um, so let's let's jump in. This Who week, wants, we, oh, I want to do it. Actually, yeah. no, Greg, you yeah, should you should summarize the the story. Uh, do you okay? Do you, do you want me to summarize the introduction as well, or uh... introduction? <laughs> yeah, there's a little introduction to the story. Not in mine. And oh shit! All right, that's fine. Uh, okay, so the Eye of the Sybil by Philip Kindred Dick. Uh, so there's two parts to the story. It starts with uh, uh, this guy in. Uh, ye old Greece and he's he's talking about some his whack wife and uh, how hot the uh, Sybil in the temple is and how sh- he uh, really respects her ability to talk to aliens <laughs> <laughs> that treasure that mel- that melodious voice that we all we Romans enjoy <laughs> uh, how 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 in depth do you want me to go just like Oh. No, that's it. That's I mean, and then go a little bit further. Oh, just very, like a brief overview of like what we'll, happens. And we'll do. Okay, so then, uh, <laughs> so then uh, he gets hit by some temple vapors or uh, alien tech. I I feel like I read this more closely. And it sounds like I did, but uh, yeah. So he, then he gets transported into the future where he's a little boy in the 1970s. Uh, and it completely forgets about uh, the first part of the story where it's ancient ancient Greece. And uh, slowly that catches up to him as he travels through his little child life into adult man life. And it's revealed that he really did just catch the vapors. He hallucinated the whole thing, maybe. Or maybe he traveled forward in time. But now he goes back in time and delivers a hot message to all his peeps about how the future is going to be crazy and good. Those crystals that that, uh, you just decorate yourselves with guess what there's hidden energies inside that shit and they're gonna be unlocked in the year 1975 <laughs> what what crystals are you talking about uh <laughs> <laughs> there there are no okay there are no literal crystals in the story but i feel like the entire philosophy behind this is like a, a validation of all of the like uh self-improvement mid-70s california shit that was going on including magic crystals that's very interesting yeah i i was trying to figure out how much 1970s like what 1970s shit he was talking about and whether this was like the first or second dark ages as prophesized in the first scene and i just i just felt like this was all like a reaction to like the nixon administration or something i thought i thought this like this is like his the beginning of him losing his shit, right? Yeah, so this is the first story that he wrote after the 2374 experience, I think it's called. Yeah. Have you where he starts to like really like believe himself to be the prophet. <laughs> Have you heard of the 2374? <laughs> oh god damn it, Frank. No. I mean, we could just we could just go quickly through the 2374. Basically, like a woman comes to his door and he thinks that she's like a prophetess or something, and then like he begins to like have like visions of himself like from the past i think like this really happened yeah so he like basically what happens in the story something very similar happens to him and he then like writes like i recently saw it in like a book's ink but he writes like this exegesis it's like this like gigantic tome of just like completely unstructured like just like religious rants for like just it's like three to four inches thick and um Basically, he just, you know, he becomes a religious prophet of sorts, if, you know, whatever. I, I don't know. what At what point do you become a prophet versus a crazy person? I don't know, but... I think you're officially a prophet when you have followers. Like, I think perhaps followers over a certain number, it becomes a religion. Yeah. But, yeah, like, he, he was, like, on drugs, like, medication for some sort of uh, injury. And uh, I don't know exactly what happened, but he kind of... It kind of caused, like, a psychotic break where... He believed that he like was living two lives, like one life that was taking place in ancient Rome and like one life that was happening here and like some alien intelligence had like invaded his consciousness. Like a perfectly rational brain had like made him sane. Yeah. I think it's like he thinks that it's like a spiritual consciousness, not like an alien one. Or maybe it's like alien I mean, it's not extraterrestrial. 
Uh, well, I mean, at some point we're gonna have to read Valis and exegesis, and it's gonna be oh god, it's gonna be nightmare. painful. Fuck that! I don't want to do that. How about just Valis? <laughs> <laughs> I just I just want to like watch all the movies that are like based on his books and be done. Like that's that's how we should end this thing. Is like, just like watching movies. Yeah. Um, anyways, <laughs> so anyways, anyways, this is that. Like this is like very real to what he's going through at this point. Mm. Yeah. Like this is this is not just like sci-fi shit. This is this is autobiographical. How he thinks it all works, and and it's also like I mean he uses his own name in this story again. Does he? Where? Yeah, Philos Dictos. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> I didn't even notice. So it should be mentioned that the main character of the story is named Philos Dictos. <laughs> Biggest dickus. <laughs> That's, I think, well, I don't know what it is in Latin, but in Greek, philos means love. So I was like, oh, this is the name of our podcast right there. <laughs> I, I wanted to rely a little bit on your, like, Latin knowledge uh, about that, uh, uh, the the uh, world of cunus that he says later. Is that the, isn't that uh, the root of cunt? Oh, yeah, cunus. Yeah. That is totally the root of cunt. It's a, uh, it's like. I think it's like the word for like uh, blah 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 like, like vulva slit or something. Yeah, it's the Latin word for vulva. So it's like Damn. so so when he he gets like I don't know he's like money he puts he's in his like class and he like writes he's like do, going through like adolescent like rebellion and he wrote like what is it like money rules the world or something yeah like, ubi pecunia regent which means um, where money rules and they're like that's just communist crap you little pinko bastard yeah and then he erases and then, Virginia. and then he writes kunis so it's like where where pussy rules and he's like stoked about it uh, he's like, the teacher will know <laughs> and like it's like the teacher will know what it means but like blah 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 i, I was like that is awesome um but he learns latin through his dreams which is cool so we should i think we should like go back to the thing here and try to really like go through the story because this is one of those ones that has like you know, a decent structure. Yeah, tons and stuff um, going on. So Felix Dictus is a priest, first of all. That's, like, his chosen profession. Yeah. And he and he has, like, a relationship with his wife that, like, mirrors the relationship of, of Philip K. Dick's, first of all, his real-life relationship in the story, at least, and then also, like, his, like, attitudes towards women throughout all these stories. Yeah, it's like, this is like... the very standard, like, Philip K. Dick character. He's just, just like, a nagging bitch of a woman who doesn't, you know, who doesn't believe well, in you... the great prophet. And also, like, the women are always of, like, a slightly social, higher, like, social class, like, higher social class, and, like, want to bring him up through hating him. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> this is, like, continual, a continual thing. It happened in... Escape Syndrome? The novel... Yeah, and then it also happened in um, Man in the High Castle, and then twice in this story. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're also, like, usually kind of overweight or fat. You know, she, like, greedily butters her roll, and I'm like, here it is. <laughs> Tell me about her <laughs> blubberous form. Well, she was hot in High Castle. She had the small pores. <laughs> yeah, small pores. That was kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> but the point, the, the point is that, like... <laughs> You, you know, it's got a shrew thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, first and foremost, in most of these stories, he has to comment on, like, how they look and, like, how fat they are. And he did restrain himself to just, like, the fact that she eats a lot of rolls. We didn't really get any physical anything out of Mm-mm. out of his wife. What's her name? Do you know any what that means? Xantippe? Yeah, Xantippe. No, I don't know shit about that name. Uh, it's a Greek name. Oh, it's the wife of Socrates. Oh. It's huh. also... It's also a noun for a scolding or ill-tempered wife, a shrewish woman. Ah, great. <laughs> Did Socrates ever, like, bitch and moan about his wife? Uh, I don't know. Probably. I wonder how that became a thing. That's funny. <laughs> Dude, they, there's, well, there's so much in Plato, you can't remember all of it. I don't remember any mention of the wife. Sure. All right, well, let's continue. Philos Dictos, like, is at this, he's at this, this temple. And this temple in which the Sybil, like, writes these magical books that inform all good Roman citizens of, like, how to escape danger and stuff during times of peril. For instance, like, the, the Silabine books help them find the conspirators that killed Caesar, supposedly. And uh, he works there. And the Sybil seems to occupy some, like, misty <laughs> chamber 
with a huge <laughs> stone throne. Did did that make any sense to you? Uh, well, it, the mistiness, yeah, because like that's like in that's like what it's like thought to be like at the like the Delphi or whatever. Like they they would like breathe in the fumes and then go into like a fugue state and make premonitions. Oh, I thought that was just like a stupid three hundred thing. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that like the mist is like part of the mythology of prophets uh-huh. in, yeah. in like the Greek tradition. I like I like the implication here that the mist is being used to contact, to like cover up the the Sybil like taking interdimensional phone calls with aliens. Yeah, what was up with the boxes? Like why do they have phones? <laughs> so let's 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 get down to the boxes. So they roll into the throne room and she he comes upon her talking to like two gods is what he presumes they are and they don't have mouths that speak so instead she's they, they both have like this box apparatus sh- like put to their heads that have that are connected by a curly string and have numbers on it so it's like they're talking on the phone to each other in the same room yeah i assume that um you know the aliens can't breathe our atmosphere so they have to appear in this like bubble and yes. they used a phone you know, to like, to talk to 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 the to the the, the Sybil to, to like to get through the bubble. Yeah, but like, what's it's like? It's like when you're in prison and you have to like <laughs> talk on the phone through the glass. Yeah, it's just like that. It's just fucking weird that it's a phone with numbers and a curly cord. <laughs> At least it's a box with numbers and a curly cord. I mean, I mean, I just pictured a phone. Did you picture something different? I was, I imagined like like a big box, like at least like. It, like six inches by six inches, like, but they're like, you know, what are the numbers for? Or something? Dialing, counting, <laughs> like, <laughs> dialing next, like three feet in front Di- of you. <laughs> dial, no, maybe they can dial into like different different prophets they're trying to call, or maybe the prophets can like dial different aliens. Maybe there's more than just the the crab clawed, uh, slit faced aliens. You know, maybe they transcend time, and so they're like they're dialing aliens from the future to speak to aliens of the past. <coughs> or something like that. Oh, like they dial in the year that they want to talk. Yeah, like Bill and Ted, but they talk instead of travel to time. <laughs> so, like, do you, do you have any idea what this additional thing is? I thought this description was really funny, where he says, two, street, two creatures stood before her inside a round bubble. They resembled men, but each of them had an additional... I am not even sure what they had, <laughs> but they were not mortals. <laughs> I was like, additional what? Additional head? Additional... Well, he would know that word. It's some word we don't know. It's like uh, a visal warp or something. They have an additional <laughs> visal warp. I got nothing for that, but it, it that I did pick it, that sentence. I was just like absurd. He's just like, what a fucking MacGuffin of just like they had something that you can't even imagine. I <laughs> had <laughs> uh, another question for you about ancient Rome. Um, he said that we. I'm mortals, not an expert, but yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, you read the whole Swerve book, and I only read half of it, so that makes you an expert. I, I did read the Swerve. Uh, I also read the book the Swerve was about. Oh, the um, the, the the poem. Yeah, on the nature of things. Was it as transcending for you as it was for him? Uh, on the nature of things, yeah, because it's like for me it was tight because I was like, oh, cool, like a completely material world is an old idea. I'm down with that. Yeah. Not everyone back in the day was a religious idiot, and I thought that was cool. I also liked this thing where he talks about like how he's gonna write like the book in the form of poetry and he's like to make like this like horrible bitter idea go down smoother like it's like honey (laughs) he's gonna like wrap his like bitter tasting idea in honey so that you can swallow it like the bitter tasting idea being that like there are no gods and the life is what you make out of it and stuff yeah and yeah exactly but he's gonna write it in like beautiful like poetry to like make that easier to to take on and i was like that's people should do like fucking dawkins should take a no, no, this guy's book. Yeah. Uh, the light creature. The light creature. Yeah. Jesus Christ himself. No shit. <laughs> so we should, we have to discuss their prophecy if we're going to talk to the light creature. So, so they're, they're chatting and he like, I guess he's just like, he comes in sneaky, like, and like overhears them, which I didn't get. Cause like, I thought they couldn't fucking talk. There's a kid just screaming. <laughs> Just fucking is that a, whose house is that coming from? Is that from your house, foot? Yeah, they're like these piece of shit motherfuckers who live next to me, who effectively run like a daycare, 
and you know i thought you were gonna say these piece of shit motherfuckers who like had the gumption to breed those <laughs> <Yeah>. bastards <laughs> i mean these like i don't know maybe i'm an asshole i mean i am but like you know like there are type there's types of crying and there's one type of crying where you hear it and you're just like that's just a shitty kid <laughs> like, like, it just wow like it just sucks so all crying uh, it's like it's i don't know <laughs> So so whenever you hear absolute misery, you just think, oh, God, stupid motherfucker. <laughs> no, like, <laughs> it's like, I feel like this crying isn't about absolute misery. It's like, why can't I eat 20 of those? <sighs> it just, it gets me. And, like, sometimes, I don't know what they're doing. Maybe they're torturing them. But, like, there are, <laughs> there are times where, like, the car, they, they'll start revving the engine out in the carport. And then the kid's outside next to the car revving just screaming just screaming his head off in, in fear and terror or misery and the dude just keeps wow. revving and i'm just like what the fuck <laughs> they, they have him in like an air-contained box and just pushing carbon monoxide like right into it <laughs> yeah Jesus or he just like has him like behind the wheel and he's just like one of these days i'm gonna put yeah. the clutch in you're <laughs> <laughs> gonna run to the wall i think he's done screaming so they have a prophecy about fucking thousands of years of darkness uh they say like a light creature will come and the light creature will fail in his mission and there's going to be 2,000 years of darkness. Um, so presumably, uh, my mind went to Jesus. Yeah. And apparently Jesus fails in his mission, uh, which is, I don't even know what his mission is. <laughs> and uh, and he will be tortured and murdered, as was Julius. Well, so he, he, they perceive the death of, he, they, whenever, you know, prophesize the death of Christ. And then... 2,000 years of darkness. What's great about that is that, like, the light creature's mission is not actually to be tortured and murdered. Like, that's, like, a failure of the mission. So, like, he didn't die for your sins. He was, like, trying to, like, teach you something, and then the humans were like, fuck you, and they just murdered him. <laughs> and he's just like, I didn't foresee that these homo sapiens would be so violent. <laughs> is that how it's written in the Bible? That he, he comes down, like, that it's, he's for sure dying? I mean, he, he died for your sins, and he was also God right well yeah i mean that's the aftermath but i'm saying like does he know is that why he has to like go into the desert and like chill out for all that time and like wrestle with this that he's like gonna have to die i have not read the new testament so i have no idea i don't i i was supposed to but like i mostly just let you never like you ever like read something and like your eyes just pass over the words and none of it goes in that's why i didn't take book like classes that had insane amounts of reading because i I felt like that's what would happen to me, or that's what does happen to me. Well, I took four years of that, and this happened a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the Bible was one of those ones where I was just like, I think maybe my attitude towards it was just like not good from the get-go, but I don't remember a lot of that shit. Did you ever read the New Testament? Uh, Nah, it's, it's definitely like that. When we get to the pearly gates, they're going to bring up this podcast and be like, you guys, <laughs> no good. <laughs> You read all this other bullshit. You read all of Exegesis, but you couldn't sit through the good book. I was actually talking with a girl last night about the Bible because I was like, I, I want to um, read some of the Old Testament the other day because um, DFW referenced it. I was like reading some essay and like parts of it is like really cool, you know, and I was just like, I wish that there was like a, a, an abridged Old Testament, but not abridged like abridged in such a way as to just like cut out the boring shit and like make it into like a fun novel but also keep the language like really strict you know i don't know i mean so so what i have read of the bible so much of it is tied up in all that boring shit like kings it's just this listing of kings yeah like this guy lived like 20 million years and this guy lived like 200 years and then this guy begat that guy which begat that guy yeah, well, this I guy mean, owned like, a horse, you know, whatever. <laughs> Maybe that's like in Moby Dick where he spends like a whole chapter talking about the types of whales. Like it's important to the experience. <laughs> but there's like there's like stories in the Old Testament where like this dude raises an army and like murders that guy who like doesn't forgive him for like having killed his father and like the, there's like there's like high drama. But that's that's like all the Old Testament. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I don't give a shit about the New Testament. I want the Old Testament in novel form. Oh, uh... Isn't it, I mean, isn't it written in, like, a and-them form? Like, it's just, like, and then this guy did that, and then this guy got pissed off, so yeah, and it's then he very, did this. Yeah, it's super straightforward. Yeah, but I kind of I kind of like that. That's one of the reasons like, I like um, I, Lattimore. What were you saying? Oh, I think that it's, like, much more, like, uh, you could take, like, a tiny paragraph and expand it into novel form. 
Mm-hmm. It's funny that you you brought up Lattimore earlier. I used uh, the Lattimore translation of the Bible when I read it. There is one. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, because like the Bible, like the oldest versions of it are in Greek. So he he has like the there's like the Lattimore New Testament. It has like this like sick black cover. Benjamin Benny Lattimore. Is that his, is that his <laughs> first name? No, it's 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 like Richard, I think. <laughs> yeah, Richard Lattimore. <laughs> <laughs> not 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 the the disco r&b guy no <laughs> wouldn't it be sweet if it was though all right he's like r&b fucking smooth dude and on his off time <laughs> translates <to> ancient greek <laughs> okay anyways we're fucking prophesizing and i yeah i just thought it was funny that the light creature just like just dies and he like quote unquote fails in his mission so as opposed to like successfully <coughs> sa- saves mankind through his death well, yeah, I was I was interested in what the mission was. Was it to like make people like communists or something? Hmm. <laughs> you know, to yes. have like a grand effect on the on like the motion. It's like pretty funny. He fails in his mission, and yet like, I, I the Bible so successful as a book. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, he was. He was trying to he was trying to spread this message of goodwill and do unto others and blah 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 and then it was perverted and you know Spanish Inquisition and shit right yeah no it's true I mean except that, like they don't really state what his mission is like you could take that anywhere like the mission could have been to destroy all of mankind <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just yeah I just assumed that like PKD was on some like anti Christianity shit which feels very like you know, early 1970s to me. I, I think it was probably less anti-Christianity and more just like, we're getting to the, the truth. We're going back to the core. This is like the origins of fundamentalism in a way, but for like hippies in the 70s. Mm-hmm. What's, wait, what do you mean by the origins of fundamentalism? Well, like the, I mean, fundamental, fundamentalism is uh, uh, fundamentally about... Uh, <laughs> well done. You know... <laughs> <laughs> I groaned inwardly uh, <laughs> about about like trying to get back to the good word and gain directly to it. And yeah. I mean, as we know it today, it's we go by the book. But I think in the earlier days in in that movement, it was like we need to get to, back to like the the core, the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I mean, as that propagates, how do you how do you trans transmit the spirit without uh, in in a way that goes across like different different small cultures or christian clans and obviously you go back to the book well i mean that's you know it's actually kind of what, what he says here right he says like the cult will grow but their true text will be encoded and the actual message is lost yeah that's some dan brown shit right there <laughs> just need to get some 3d glasses <laughs> it's not how that that book worked like he needed to get some 3d glasses and go to sistine chapel and then like you know Dude, look at like know. the red i've angle. only seen the trailers <laughs> I have no idea what the fuck you dudes are talking about right now. <laughs> We're talking about uh, uh, fucking the whatever, fucking Inferno and shit. Um, what's what is that called? Dante's the Da Vinci Inferno? Code. Oh, yeah, the, the Da Vinci Code. Yeah, we we watched the first one during the uh, Nicolas Cage marathon. Oh man, so this is the stuff of legend. This is why <laughs> is the way he is. Like we Frank. <laughs> wanted to put on like a uh, a marathon of Nicolas Cage movies right and so it was like damn it wasn't every single one but like how many hours was it of, of footage 24 straight hours 24 straight hours it, no Holy wait shit. it was like 30 33 and like some of us came in and came and went as into the basement where I had set up like wine and drinks and, and the huge screen and all the movies playing but like just sat there with like a giant jug of like Colorado wine or something and just oh, just did not move and like absorbed all of it. <laughs> it was, I don't even think that good. like that's like all of the Nick Cage movies, right? Like I'm, there's gotta be know, more. You would you would hope it would be, but no. I, I had to like cull it to the ones that were like bearable or like infamous. And even then there there were some serious exclusions from the Ouv. All right, anyways, fucking, what, what are we talking about? We're still at the prophecy. Fucking, oh, yeah, we're talking about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Basically, they talk, they, oh, yeah, I wanted to ask a question, too, about this. So they say that um, there's going to be a dark age, which I think is pretty clearly at least covers the actual dark ages, like right after the fall of the Roman Empire. 
they say it'll last for like 2,000 years and then people will begin to like bring themselves out of ignorance only to succumb yeah. to like a second dark ages. So if you take the 2,000 years to be like almost exactly 2,000 years and that would happen after 1970s. So like 70s and everything that PKD has lived would be like still part of the dark ages. So like, do you think that he's, do you think that he is in the first dark age? He's in the second dark age? Or is he like around for the moment in which they start to like break free and then succumb again to dark ages? I thought that his like prophesizing would be like the cause of his of like the new like almost enlightenment or whatever and like exegesis would be that book and so that means that like he would almost succeed like jesus in breaking them free but they're still going to succumb to him with more darkness is that what it says Mm -hmm. we foresee the failure for the mission of the light creature he'll be tortured and murdered as was julius and after that long after that civilization will draw itself up out of ignorance once more after 2,000 years. Um, and then as they begin to question and seek to learn their true origins, their divinity, the murders will begin again. The repression and the cruelty and another dark age will begin. No, but then he says it might be averted. Oh, yeah. And they do avert it yeah. with like their... They're coming in later. Their space alien dream planting or yeah. whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Yeah, so I thought we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that like, yeah, that like there was a that there was a dark age for about two thousand years until like say like the nineteen twenties or something. I don't know, like industrial revolution and technology, technology and whatever. And then like there is almost going to be another dark age. Like they're starting to lift themselves out during PKD's time, and that's. And, like, the attempted, like, beginnings of, like, new murders and, like, another Dark Age is, like, probably, like, the administration or something. But, like, he's around Uh, for the uncertain beginning or not of the second Dark Age. Well, you could subtract a few years. It could be more, like, 1500 or some shit. And then it could be more, like, the fall of the Republic and the rise of the American Republic. Because they talk about this defense of the Republic. It's really about democracy. So maybe they're, like, saying, like okay, there is a period after, like, 2,000 years where there is, like, a semi-functioning republic. And you're putting that around, like, what, the beginning of the Americas? Like, 1700 or something? I think so. That's what I would say, yeah. I guess so. It's just, like, that's hardly 2,000 years, because if this is in ancient Rome, it's happening, like... Um, well, fall, fall of Rome is, like, 400, like, 400 AD or so. Well, like, that, but that's, that's the Roman fucking whatever, dude. That's not the fall of the republic. That's the fall of Rome. Oh, you're thinking about the fall of, like, Constantinople that happens, like, way later? Well, no, 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 like, the, it's no longer ruled by the Republic, it's the fucking Emperor. It's the Roman Empire at that point. Oh. So when when does the Republic fall? What year-ish? It's when fucking Caesar rides his shit across the fucking shit of Rome, man. (laughs) He rides his shit across the (laughs) shit of Rome. <laughs> he, he goes across the fucking Rubicon. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there that maybe it could be something about because there's a lot of talk of defending the Republic, so it could be something like that. That like the Dark Ages is like the rule of one. Sure, and mm. getting what we see later about like the the um like the calling of free speech and stuff. It kind of makes sense. Yeah. This idea of like Republic. It could, you know, he could be talking about Christ. Or, I'm sorry, Trump. And <laughs> what if he foresaw just, everything? Yeah, he's just like, yo, we gotta fucking avert that crisis. We're not talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, the next person who like Trumpifies to me, I'm gonna explode. Like, I can't handle any more Trump talk. Well, what's your problem with Trump? He's gonna make. Uh, he's not even gonna win. <laughs> I know. That's what I mean. Like, it's over. We get to stop talking again. about him now. It's done. We can stop. Nah, dude. No, he's going to be fucking killing it with his Trump fucking network. <laughs> <laughs> You're never going to hear the end of that shit, dude. It's going to be a web the, ring. He's going to take the alt-right into the mainstream. No, he's not. He's going to sink into ignominy. <laughs> uh, just you wait. You're like, I feel like, I feel like uh, what's his name at the end of seven? You're a fucking t-shirt at best. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get really into the shit now. So, <laughs> okay. So take us there. So Sybil reaches into her little pocket and pulls out Medusa's eye, like the Gorgon eye of fate. 
and oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, and starts to like prophesize with it. <laughs> like double prophesize. That's what I thought was so yeah. funny about this. It was like she, she prophesizes like a using like alien intelligence and like b with this thing. Yeah, this is some heavy mythological shit here. Uh, can you also give us the rundown of the Gorgon's eye and if it's from a myth? Because I have no idea. Oh, it's for sure from a myth. Um, so Medusa was a Gorgon, and so were like the the sisters of fate, I think. Mm-hmm. And they like use that to like they would, like pass it around. I think you could, I think they do this in like what's it called in a like the animated Hercules. Oh yeah, and I also remember this from the um, like the really old. Um, I think it's. Clash of the it's Titans, like where like he has yeah. to go talk to the witches, and they have like this shiny jewel eye. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So she's like looking through that shit, and she's doing prophecies with that. Double prophecies. Double. D- double prophecy. <laughs> <laughs> well, she sees something like over his shoulder. She's like peering down the corridors of time, and is like, <gasps> and then like freaks out and falls over, and uh, he like runs to help her, and he gets oh. to put his hand on like the, you know. <laughs> he does one of the, that, those like sci-fi tropes where like she's going through a thing and he touches her and it passes through him like electricity. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what. Now happened. he's the prophecy. Yeah, like he, you know, like when you like they do that where it's like someone's going through with like a fucking prophecy or something and you touch them and you see it too. Yeah, it's like a total Twilight Zone trope. I thought it was just like he's been in the room. He went into the room where the fumes are, and it caused it. Oh <laughs> no! I thought it was like he like touches her, and he's like sucked in like to the thing. Yeah, it could be. I mean, he turns and sees the. I just figured that like she's the expert at like using the fumes, and he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. So as soon as he like starts to like see stuff in the fumes, she's like, "Wait, that shit ain't real!" And then, <laughs> and then he's just like, he just gets sucked in. Mm, okay. Time travels. Yeah. Yeah. So then he he's transported into like the childhood mind of Philip K. Dick. <laughs> yeah, and his name is Philip. I don't know how I fucking missed that. It's so funny. <laughs> Grown up in Berkeley. Yeah. yeah. Did, uh, Frank, I was gonna ask. Did you go to Berkeley High? No. No. Okay. Never mind. I take it back. But you, do you feel like you're <laughs> like the like regional? spiritual carrier of this kind of thinking like you're you're down with that berkeley shit (laughs) (laughs) that berkeley shit that granola shit that fucking (laughs) vegan tofu shit that hemp shit uh like that kind of shit yeah i guess (laughs) (laughs) uh i i definitely have uh was immersed in it i can say that much yeah i'm well versed in in uh the tropes yeah all right, so <laughs> we're in Berkeley now with a young Philip K. Dick fucking around as a kid, impressing his teachers with his Latin. Do, do, well, okay. Do you think that this this anecdote with the bee is a metaphor for something? Dude, isn't that weird that it's in the other story too? Yeah, it's like it's maybe he's just I don't know. This is like maybe this is like the Stephen King train thing where this like happened to him and it was like imprinted on him. There's a story in which a guy is like locked in a ship where he's supposed to go through hypersleep. It's actually a really great premise for a story. And, like, it, the, the gases fail to render, render him totally unconscious. And so, like, the computer, like, talks to him, and it's like, yo, bro, like, I'm sorry, but the gases don't work. I guess you're going to be awake for 20 years or, like, something like that. And the dude's like, no, like, please knock me out. It's like, I'm sorry. Like, I can't help you. Wait, wait. <laughs> the computer's like, I won't give you more gas. It's just, like, that's not possible. Yeah, for what? There's only, yeah. yeah, it was like a small canister. Yeah, for whatever reason. It ran out. For whatever reason, it just, like, can't do anything about it. This is one of the stories that actually was lost because uh, um, the audio. No, it was because, was... like, the sleep chamber was broken, so you couldn't. Mm. he couldn't do it yeah like there's like a hole in like the seal that would like make it seal so the gases stay in and he's like dude can you please just like at least like let me walk around the ship for 20 years and it's like i'm sorry like there's no air in me like uh you know it's not meant for- <laughs> I forgot that it's the first person <laughs> yeah the sh- it's like it's not just the computer it's like the ship itself like talking to him and so the ship like has some weird means of feeding him like his own memories to like try to keep his brain engaged and keep it from like melting so it runs him through like this weird memory thing over and over and over again and he keeps like starting to realize that it's fake and then like that keeps repeating and one of the things that keeps happening is like this memory of him being like a bee is stuck in a web and he's trying to free the bee from the web and it stings him because i feel like this one it's like to him it's like 
he's trying to do something really good and then he gets like punished for it and that's like a metaphor for all of life where like when you try to do something really good for someone else it they just bite you because that's a natural instinct to do so yeah hmm. like the scorpion native american story right with the on the oh, back like with the, the frog yeah yeah, yeah. he's like i'm sorry it's my nature <laughs> yeah <laughs> what i do want to know is about these snakes what the hell's up with these snakes in this story why are snakes important uh, biblical that's where i wrote in the margins biblical hella biblical <laughs> that's that, that's some serious marginalia right there hella satan <laughs> But, like, it's not that he likes the snakes. He has, like, dreams of snakes, wise snakes, not evil snakes, but those which whisper wisdom. Well, that's, that's like, an inversion of the biblical tale. Yeah. I mean, it just, well, you mean in the sense that, like, the snake is not bad, but it's good? Well, that, like, it's, it's wisdom and not, like, the words of the snake are wisdom and not evil, right? So. Oh, in, yeah. In, oh. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So it's, like, the, the yearning for knowledge is not evil that like maybe that's how the dude failed in his mission that like all this like suppression of knowledge ended up like as as like the maybe like the main message of like the biblical reading when Mm -hmm. like maybe like the gods and stuff are supposed to be more like promethean that like they bring that like they bring this like thirst for knowledge and like that's good yeah yeah, there's a, a Gnostic idea in which uh, the snake and the devil are actually aids to, to humanity. And there's, there's nothing wrong with them. They're, they're merely parts in the, the grand cosmic machine of, of development of consciousness. Who's that uh, romantic poet who's like super pro-Satan? Um, uh, William Blake. Uh. So like William Blake like talks a lot about like, the the fruit of knowledge being like this thing that like man is supposed to have and like god doesn't want him to have the fruit of knowledge because then then he'll be like he'll be more like god and god doesn't want to share power (laughs) can we talk about his his like fucking sexual awakening right here (laughs) (laughs) where where he gets a boner for his therapist and like doesn't really listen to her (laughs) before that that, but there's before that even there's the the belly dancer I skimmed over that. <laughs> so oh, like, the, he's like watching. He's like in like the fourth grade or fifth grade, and there's he's this. In the fifth grade. He's in the fifth grade, and there's this sixth grade girl who's like learned how to belly dance and is like showing the class, and she's like dancing around, and uh, he's like watching her like her swinging hips and stuff, and her like wise, you know, appealing eyes, and then afterwards they have to write like a composition about i guess just anything you want and he like wrote one about her belly dancing like naked from the waist up <laughs> like he got, hell yeah yeah and his, he got like an angry phone call from the principal but like the best is that like her eye so she's wearing one of those like fucking like blackface fucking arabian veils or whatever and like he like looks into her eyes and he has like uh a moment where like the eyes remind him of someone else's eyes that he had once known but who has a kid ever known? And so it's like, I was like, is he, he's like having like already like the experiences of someone previous in there. Um, and so he's going through like a, he, he's filled with lust because of the eyes. Yeah. It's which, like, she's like the, the Sybil who is like the snake. Yeah. Uh, this is, he gets sent after the Kennedy assassination, right? Cause he, he quote unquote gets really weird after the Kennedy assassination. Yeah. He withdraws. <laughs> he took it hard. Which, like, that's kind of, like, what makes me think about the, the Republic again. That, like, that was probably a bad moment for American democracy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty... I don't know. I, I think it's hard for us now, especially us having, like, not even grown up during any of these times, to, like, to put ourselves in that mental place where, like, like huge, like, figure is assassinated. And then, like, Nixon is, like, caught, like, lying and just, like, gives up the presidency. It's, like, never really happened before. And I don't know. It's It must have felt like the ground is just, like, coming out from underneath your feet when all this was going on. We live we live in a politically infamous time. Do we, though? Because I feel like we live in a really politically stable time. Like, not much has really shifted or <laughs> changed during our time. I don't know, man. At least not on the home front. I mean, yeah, like we get caught up in some wars, but they're they're wars of choice and they're they don't involve a draft. Yeah, but like I think like 
I don't know, dude. Like, I, I maybe like you feel differently, but I was like a politically liberal person during the Bush administration, and I imagine like that frustration is similar to like the stuff they felt during the Nixon camp, like era. Yeah, I mean, I, and, I like, suppose so. Yeah, like in like two thousand four, like it was like people were like writing books about like the new fucking like Republican foreverness. Like it was like so like I felt like so disheartened by all of it that like the the country was just like against what I thought to be like real values. Yeah, I mean that that's like a trying time to be sure. I just so like there was a um NPR the other day was like had somebody on who had written a book about all the different militant groups that existed in in the um the sixties and seventies. Like Black Panthers and blah 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 and like all like the fringe mm-hmm. elements that were like bombing shit. And I just like I don't know. I was listening to it, and I was just like, God, that time just sounds, like, so much more... Like, the stakes seemed so much higher back then or something. Mm. Like, the unrest was, was like, actually going to reach out and grab you. Whereas you sort of have to be, like, a politically-minded intellectual to really, like... To really feel an unrest about, like, the Bush administration. You actually have to make yourself care. I don't know, man. People seem pretty unhappy. Maybe like un- maybe like without cause, like shit's going pretty well. I feel like I feel like the unrest that I felt around the 2004 election it, it seems to be mirrored by how the right felt around uh, Obama's re-election. Just like the sinking dread of like my view is is not is not going to continue. America is going to continue to sink into this negative direction where it is just winds up in this complete shithole state and it'll never be fixed and the only the only choices i have are to move or to join some sort of weird militia group although on the left it's like sign up for change.org <laughs> yeah my my dad um during the the obama re-election and this election both times he was like well for obama's re-election he's like this will be the last election you'll ever see son he's not going to give up the presidency <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then he said the same thing about about um, fucking Clinton just now. He's like, "Yep, like this is the end, son. The end of democracy." <laughs> well, is he like, is he so pro old. Trump? Um, yeah. Well, he's not like my dad. I don't know. It's hard to explain. He's not. He hate. He doesn't like Trump, but he's like he hates Hillary Clinton so much that he's like, "Well, Trump's like not so bad." I mean, like that one thing you said is pretty. Yeah, like I can kind. Of, like, he's like trying to will himself to get excited. <laughs> The one thing that you said that wasn't abhorrent. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Pre- pretty much, you know. And he, like, believes in, like, the, you know, the cons- like the liberal media conspiracy and we're all being lied to and we just gave Iran nukes with the Iran nuclear deal and, like, Hillary's, like, going to just completely destroy the country. And so he's too caught up with that to really think too much about Trump. You can't, com- and it's weird because, like, I don't feel particularly like left leaning or right leaning. I definitely don't support Hillary Clinton, but like I can't have like a a conversation with my dad because as soon as I express any opinion contrary to like those, he just gets furious and he says something about like how I don't know the soup that I'm swimming in. He just makes something that like <laughs> you know I've been brainwashed, right? <laughs> my dad's the same way. He he really whenever I try to have like a contrary kind of. Uh, Oh well, maybe maybe this offensive right thing. Maybe maybe there's some <coughs> silver lining to that. He'll he'll just get very upset and like we'll stop talking to me and do similar like refusal to engage kind of conversation techniques. Yeah, like my we were uh, out recently and we were watching the debates or something. And he was talking about like, oh, Hillary Clinton has Parkinson's, don't you know? Like her brain is actually like melting or something. He's like, no, no, you can watch this video in which she's giving a speech and she like sees something in the crowd, like someone like moves in a certain way that scares her and like you know doctors have said like this is a clear sign of like parkinson's and she starts to hallucinate and then one of her aides comes over and rests his hand on on her back gently and says it's okay keep talking and like it's proof that she has parkinson's and like does parkinson's even like affect your decision making though just put it out there i think it's fine like (laughs) like (laughs) isn't it just like a motor thing like where you can't like you can't do stuff but like that's the cruelty of Parkinson's, isn't or it? Or maybe like it wasn't brain? Parkinson's. I probably fucked up. Oh, he probably okay. said that she had um, Alzheimer's or something. So I looked up the video, right? And like, like Hillary Clinton is like talking. She sees something off camera. She stops talking. 
like not just one aide, but like three aides rush onto the stage and like and block off whatever she saw. So my immediate thought was like, this looks like there was some security issue, like someone was like coming at her or something. So I, I look up the event and I look up the headlines from the time and it was like, yeah, like there was a bunch of like PETA protesters and like they tried to rush the stage and like they got stopped. <laughs> so I told my dad that and he just like, he was just like, uh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, son, you just gotta look, you just gotta, you gotta take different information into account. Or he had some sort of just like, he just wouldn't engage. <laughs> he was like, his, his attitude was like, oh, you looked at some like liberal news source and they got gotcha. you. <laughs> <laughs> you just you just need to look at the soup that you're swimming in foot. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. How could a fish know what the fuck water is? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that shit's so much more fun than like the you know, it was PETA protesters. That's boring. Like I wish I wish it was true. That'd be so great. That'd be so fun. I'd love that. Yeah, that- it'd be like a fucking episode of the West Wing. <laughs> Cause I was like Parkinson's like she could totally govern with that shit. She just wouldn't. Be, I mean, she couldn't sign stuff. <laughs> you know, she, that's what the machines are for. Yeah. yeah. Or she could get that special Parkinson's like spoon. You know, the one that has like a balancing weight in it, and then she could like duct tape a pen to. Wait, that. is this real? <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Yeah, that's like, awesome. It like detects your tremors in some intelligent way and like responds to them. Holy shit! <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, do we live in the future? Machine learning and algorithms and springs. And spoons oh, that won't spill. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> I'm surprised that you're so excited about this spoon. It's so cool. <laughs> Come on. I'll put it in the show notes. A, a smart spoon? This is better than the vessel. Like, it actually has a function. <laughs> what's, what's, what is the vessel? <laughs> Oh man. Oh, okay. So like a year or two ago, uh, some company came out with the vessel spelled V E S S Y L. And so it was, uh, a, a mug, one of those coffee mugs, but it was so fucking smart that it would tell you what kind of liquid you put inside of it and it'd show oh, it on the side of the fucking cup. I've seen this. Wait, what? It just tells you if it's coffee or like tea or something. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it like, it like, tells you like how much caffeine is in there, how much sugar is in there. Oh, okay. Now I'm now I got yeah. the boner. I thought I like literally yeah. pictured like a black mug with like bold white text. It was like coffee, milk. No, no, <laughs> it's no, like, it, it like it like it tells you because like because we live in an age where like most of our calories are like are given to us in liquid form. Yeah. And so yeah, they're like yo, if you really want to lose weight stop drinking sugary shit and do it through tracking this thing but i'm like i don't need like that because like every container everything i drink from has a fucking calorie count on it it's federally mandated i I, there's this technology out there already (laughs) what i thought was funny was in the the promo video every single person who worked for the company looked really sickly like they were just like really pale and their skin was saggy and they, they just like looked miserable well, they've been in a lab developing the vessel, man. <laughs> Just under the whip. <laughs> Let's get back to the story. All okay. Right. And we're fuck. Okay. So we got to the therapist. Uh, yeah. And we talked about this earlier, but then we, he has like the, he, he's going through some more teenage rebellion and he decides that he wants to be <laughs> a science fiction writer. Because there should be someone to write for neckbeards. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> so, so he's like, I want to be a sci-fi writer. And then his like already, it's his girlfriend that becomes his wife, and she's already a nagging shrew. And she's like, Why be a sci-fi writer? Like, only people who have pimples read that shit. And he's like, Well, some that's American democracy is built for everybody. <laughs> There should be someone writing stories for those pimple freaks, like, and I'm gonna be that guy. Like, I'm gonna step up to the plate and write for the neckbeards. Oh my god. So, okay, let's get into this. So, after that, we already talked about his rebellion with the writing cunt on the board, which is funny, but um, what the psychologist says is pretty funny. Uh, oh, yeah. She said that the. She said that the school system insulates you from reality and keeps you from learning techniques to handle actual situations and for me to write science fiction. You need to go out in the streets, learn knife fighting, and then write about some weird shit in the future. 
and think about my titlies. Yeah, I mean, she, she he wonders what she'd think of what she would look like in a belly dancer costume because she's she's hot with it apparently. It's pretty weird that he like sexualizes knowledge here too. It's like whenever he thinks of belly dancing and like how hot this girl is, he like looks in. He's like having like a sexual fantasy, but then he gets like fixated on her eyes and then dreams of snakes again. The seductiveness of of knowledge and truth. Yeah, knowledge is sexy. I mean, just think of that big juicy apple. Just think of that. It's got curves. Fast, hot, hard sci-fi. <laughs> and so then, like at this point, like he kind of reaches like semi-adulthood, right? Kind of because I think like he's been like a passenger in like the Philip K. Dick body for a while, but then he starts to kind of take over. That's an interesting way of looking at it. I thought that he, like, I thought that this was all like a vision, um, of nineteen seventy-four, and like there there was no Philip. Um, but he just imagined it and like his seeing through into the future and that like during that it was such a powerful vision that he forgot that it was a vision until like adulthood so you think that he's like living inside of the vision yeah like it's not like he he, like took over like philip as philos it was more like philip is like a figment of his imagination but the greater like social whatever unrest and stuff that exists in philip's time is actually real i thought it was totally like a being john malkovich thing (laughs) where he's like riding alongside like the decision maker inside of like the same mind but like not doing shit like he's just like taking it all in and then like at some point he's able to like take control (laughs) well i mean as you've mentioned before like pkd loves that like mind body dualism thing (laughs) yeah and so so okay so what what happens um so he begins to see uh, violently agitated color phosphine in both of his eyes and then like this actually happened to him it's like this is a big part of like his hallucination shit or whatever yeah it was like is the like, pink he's... beam that he saw yeah exactly so this happens and then he's like what's the date he... I yelled at Isabel who was sitting drying her hair and reading the Harvard Lampoon and like <laughs> the date it's March 16th and we should be stated that like that's an important date because that's like the Ides of March um it was it was the date of the assassination of Julius Caesar. Yeah, so that's like dun, dun, dun. yeah, so that's like blah blah whatever. And then he goes like full Latin on her, and he and he's like <laughs> pulchra puella tempus, which like it's like a beautiful girl time. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> it's beautiful girl time. Well, it's, See ya. it's beautiful girl, comma time. Like he's like, what year is it? He has like a total like Robin Williams fucking Jumanji moment. <laughs> For me, it was a um, Terminator One moment. Like when he corners the cop, he's like, the date. It's like Tuesday. He's like, what year? <laughs> Heard it that way. And like the tyranny's in power, so presumably Richard Nixon is still in power. Yeah. And then like the the two beings like come to me. They're like, dude, what are you doing? Like. <laughs> Don't talk to her about this shit. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. It's like 2024. 20, <laughs> 20, keep yeah. it a Dude. secret. Dude. <laughs> and so, yeah, like, I get, and then they reveal that, like, there is no profit during this time, and they've been inspiring people here to wake up. This was weird. Okay, so they're beginning to wake up. They are beginning to understand that the price of release is being paid by us to free them from the liar who rules them. Yeah, I couldn't figure out what the deal with the liar is. It was like, I, want, I mean, sure, it could be like Nixon, but it sounds like it goes back further than that. They're talking about, like, you know, the long-standing conspiracy of suppression of free speech. I thought it could have been the Pope. I think it's, in terms of, like, if we position the snake as, like, a sort of a negative aspect of humanity, then... I, I'd, I'd see the liar as the part of humanity that can't deal with these things or that's unwilling to live the collective life. I mean, I, sort of like a runaway meme. I thought it was kind of, so I, I felt like this tension through reading this entire story between this huge expanse of time, like these big shifts that occur, um, you know, greater than any one person's lifetime which is why like any thought of like nixon or anything felt kind of silly to me it's like how is that like the great liar or like how is you know no so yeah so i thought like thousands of years of repression or whatever it's like two thousand years of like shit that's like blinding them it's like fucking bad religion is no good it's like the 
the guy's mission failed for some reason. The the light creature, his mission fails, and it like completely subverts that dude. But the light creature didn't seem like also central either, in terms of like what humanity like needs to mm-hmm. needs to receive to to see the truth. It was just like I felt like the light creature was like just some other species of alien like them who like also tried and failed, but they're like completely different from that. I also can't shake the feeling that PKD just like took a lot of acid and like. <laughs> just wrote a bunch of stuff really fast that's one of the things that struck me about this story it it felt very familiar in terms of like the characters and the situations that he he trots out like i feel like i've read them all before in a lot of his other books just in different configurations and even like his his uh real life epiphany experience felt very much like the continual situation that he he writes about like that i think predates that which is his characters always feeling this dislocation in themselves like they're not who they think they are they're there's they suddenly suspect that they may be someone else entirely mm. and they're it's unclear or maybe something and once, else entirely yeah like that their their like, consciousness is like some other thing than they perceive it to be yeah like ubik uh it's there's a suspicion that they're like in this uh mind preservation body chamber and that the reality they perceive isn't real or do androids dream of electric sheep it, it, there's the question of is he who he is or is he an android yeah. or like uh was it es- escape something the one where like is his whole life like a, a hallucination caused by like psychosis yeah or like the ticker tape yeah so i uh Man, I forget why I started talking about this. I guess what I was saying was, like, I, I find it hard to really dig too deep in figuring out who the wire is because I also feel like this is just, like, written with the pace of, like, a fever dream. And, like, there is no answer. But I don't know. Right, yeah. I, so, yeah, I was thinking, like, I mean, his writing process was to take meth and then just, like, churn these books out. I mean, he's written a shitload of books over a really short period of time. Um, and so I feel like what we read is is more a map of his own mind or like the ideas that he's continually drawn to than uh i don't know his his like any any other motion towards like a cosmic truth or or some sort of objective (sighs) i don't know well what's funny is like that so much like is like the 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 heart of this cast or has been is like we read these stories, they seem on the surface completely insane, and objectively probably are, but like sometimes like we're able to like come up with some stupid fucking like explanation <laughs> for like why it all makes sense. And like the explanation is like so much more fun than like the story itself. And usually it's like it's like <laughs> has like an idea and it never occurs to me and like I'm like trying to put holes in it and he's like like just dodging and angling to like make it still make sense. <laughs> we really should have gotten to the John Malkovich thing earlier cuz that's what what it would have been. <laughs> <laughs> what that like that like he's existing with two consciousnesses is like the the weird reading in this one i think sure but like who's the liar though it's the pope oh i think yeah the pope i think is okay yeah because like on this one i was like okay the the religion is like in many ways the reason for the fall or like uh of republic that like democracy is like, like really like just fell by the wayside and was replaced by religion for 2000 years and like that's why so in 1974 like the state of things being so fucked up is like like the religious right has taken over the, the government something like that or, or maybe it's just like uh, maybe it's just like the, but they're not even catholics though <laughs> like, well but yeah i know they're they not they have the history yeah like they're connected to that history of power and sucking the life out of real good genuine institutions to to bolster their own their own the, the height of their own thrones I, mean, I, I suppose it could be. The, the, the techniques. He says that the people are blind, and like thousands of years of oppression have made them like limited in the way that animals are limited. They're yeah, not... like you're you're docile. Well, so here's the thing that you know, if you want to look for concrete stuff in this, he says, "Did you see? Did you know of the comings and goings of the secret police, the quasi-military teams, which destroyed all freedom of speech, all those who dissented?" Like, hell yeah! <laughs> are we talking about like, 
like some like papal <laughs> like undercover <laughs> like whatever back yeah nice templar dude yeah fucking illuminati like that to him is probably pretty real that like there are people that actively are trying to like suppress like the will of the many yeah f- for their own gains yeah it's it's the it's those bankers man but it is the bankers. I mean, it's not just the bankers. It's it's all the institutions of power. And those all those are, Jews. They're owned by the bankers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God we have Donald Trump to, to pull us up out of that shit. Sure. Uh, do you want to do our things really quick? Yeah, we can do our things and, and, uh, and whatnot. Frank, do you have a recommendation of a thing that you're going to – that you want? It's not a recommendation. It's like – Something that you're like excited about that you want to watch, see, can eat, do. Uh, yeah, there's uh, this new hot new BBC documentary making the waves on the the internet tubes called Hypernormality. What is that? Uh, it is a three hour documentary by Adam Curtis, and it's about uh, you know hard to say. I, I've I've watched ten minutes and I was like you know. I'm not going to sit in and watch this for three hours. But it seems to be about, um, basically, there was, the thesis is, in the mid-70s, how appropriate, in the mid-70s, <laughs> there was this, this movement by, by um, the ruling elite in the West and the East to, to create two different models of, of politics and power as a way of simplifying the, the difficulties and kind of trying to rule the world or, or rule their own countries while engaging with the world. Um, and so a major part of this in the West has been um, consolidating power under under banks and, and money and making money and uh, the economy sort of dominating forces in how, how a, a city or state is, is led. Mm-hmm. That's as far as I got. And so the, the problem exactly there like is... like this story. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds like <laughs> we're writing about the conspiracy of the banks, dude. Yeah, and, and yeah, it's like this... So the problem is, like, they create these models, and then reality has started puncturing holes in in those models as they stop being able to model reality because they're based on false premises. Foot, what's your thing? (laughs) Um, God, there's a lot of things to do. Um, I got, I can, I'll do a doc as well. Um, I want to see the new-ish Werner Herzog documentary about connectivity and stuff. I haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah. It's, about? it's about like a uh, internet and can and like you know ease of information and how it's changed everything and blah blah blah. Where Herzog made a documentary about the internet? Mm-hmm. Something like that. I too will do a documentary. I'm gonna go see a Ouija Origin of Evil today. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> documentary about the about Ouija boards. About the origin of evil, dude. Yeah, about fucking <laughs> Ouija. Yeah. So Ouija is the origin of all evil in this movie, right? I have no idea, but it looks it's fucking it's rocking like an eighty two on RT right now, so it's really quality. Well fuck it, let's sign off. Let's let Greg go. Alright. Alright, here we go. Later. Goodbye. Bye bye. <laughs>